Hi, it's Paul Camillos. Welcome to Series 5 of Shooting the Breeze. Join me and my co-host Jacinta Gavin as we talk to inspiring players, amazing coaches and the legends behind the scenes and at the grassroots of the game. This marks the start of our fourth year of covering women's hoops and women in hoops and throughout the series we welcome experts like Lyndon Moore from New Zealand and other special guests from across the world to get a global picture of the game. During this series we'll take a closer look at the grassroots and the passionate people at the community level. And of course, the 30th edition of the FIBA Women's Asia Cup will be heading to our shores for the first time to showcase the best women's hoops in our region. Hit that subscribe button and to show your support, rate and leave us a review on iTunes so we reach more listeners. For me, I know I had to leave Australia to probably find myself as a player. And for me, I was able to find myself as a player and I was able to gain respect in the European League and in the Australian League. And and sometimes it's about forging your own journey and forging your own path. We're thrilled to have a home-based Al Kunick, one of our Series 1 OG pod guests, join us again on Shooting the Breeze. With her vast and varied experience in Europe over the last few years, AK gives us a look into the emotional and physical challenges of what is possibly the toughest league in the world and to embrace all the unknowns in order to grow. A sweet conclusion to this journey is AK's call-up to wear the green and gold again for the Opals in Australia's first Asia Cup on home soil. There's no doubt her knowledge, versatility and maturity shines through in this pod and will make a huge impact on our young Opal squad as they face powerhouse nations, China and Japan. But perhaps most fascinating is her view of the future in determining what success looks like, be it 3x3, playing in Europe, or applying her studies to secure her financial future and share that learning with others. Enjoy. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Joining me as always, my co-host Jacinta Govind, and today we've got a special guest, the Townsville-bound, Alice Koenig. Alice, it's great to have you back on the show. You're one of the OGs from season one. I am. Gosh, that feels like a lifetime ago, but yeah, I guess I am. It's nice to be back. Thank you for having me back on. Wouldn't miss it for the world. (laughs) So, how have you been? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good, very good. Um, I've had a few years now in Europe, uh, back to back, and uh, in that time, you know, I'd come back in Australia, which was only a couple of weeks kind of here and there. But now I'm, yeah, back for good, we'll see, in Australia. But, yeah, no, I'm really, I'm really excited to be back, really happy to be back. Had a, a long but good, successful season in Europe. So, no, it was, it was really good, and I'm, I'm glad to be home on Australian soil. Awesome. Now, I want to ask you something about Europe. Mm-hmm. You were, like, in Poland. Mm-hmm. You played for Arca Gdynia and you went to Hungary for Sopron. Mm-hmm. What's it like over there? Like, uh, yeah, from your perspective, what's it feel like being over in, in that part of the world? Yeah, look, I've played a couple of – I played three years in Poland. I played first for Toron and then I had that Sydney, uh, then went back to Gdynia for two years and just recently had that stint in Chopron. To be honest, I loved my time in Europe. I played in France, uh, Poland and Hungary and I feel very fortunate and very lucky to have played in Europe and played on some pretty incredible teams against some really great players and it's definitely an experience. It's not for everyone. It's tough. It's tough. You really have to have your wits about you and you've really got to be, I always say to myself and to people that you've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because Europe will make you uncomfortable. You're training twice a day most days. I was in Hungary and Poland, which is, you know, pretty cold Eastern European. 
but it does. It, it takes you around the world. It, you travel the world. You play incredible plays. You have incredible memories and you meet just amazing people, which I've been super fortunate to do. And I've made lifelong friends out of my time in Europe and I wouldn't change it for the world. And as grateful I am as coming back home, I, I definitely will miss my time in Europe. Okay. So let me ask you the, the million dollar question. If somebody was going over to Poland or Hungary, mm -hmm. what's the one thing they got to see in each of those countries? Uh, oh gosh, there's so many places. <laughs> for Poland, I would say Auschwitz. It's yeah. an incredible, I just went recently again with my parents for the second time and it never loses its meaning or its value going a second time. If anything, it holds more value. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible and obviously gives a lot of perspective and a lot of, um, you know, I think it just shows how lucky we really are in Australia and it really gave me a lot of perspective about what happened in the war and what happened all those years ago. My grandparents were migrants from Croatia and Slovenia and they kind of spoke about what happened in the war, but I don't think until you really see it, you don't really get to comprehend it. Uh, but Poland's an absolutely beautiful country. I love living in Poland and there's so many beautiful things to see. Krakow is incredible. So I would say our switch in Krakow and for Hungary, Chopron is a very cute little village where I lived, but I would definitely say Budapest. Uh, Budapest is an amazing city and I think it's one of my favorite European cities actually. Interesting. Cool. You describe, uh, Chopron as a little village because from us, you know, looking, uh, watching your European career and the signings of Chaperon, you know, on Twitter, the, some of the names you get, including yourself and Ezzy, and did you have Brittany Sykes for a period of mm -hmm. time on your team too? Yeah. Like some big names for mm. a team that's representing how you describe a small village. Yeah, Chaperon's an incredible organisation and club and they've been a European powerhouse for a lot of years and I feel very grateful that I was able to play for Chopron and represent Chopron in the EuroLeague and the Hungarian League and something that I probably don't know the magnitude of now in my career, but looking back, I'm sure I'll really recognise that. But the way the organisation works, Zoli, the GM, is just an incredible man and the way he looks after the players and I think that's why they've been so successful in the past because, you know, the facility is amazing, the training's amazing, the coach, David Gashby, he's a great coach. So, look, I, I can't speak highly enough of the club and the organisation and it just shows why a small town, which the town really, I guess you could say town village, it's a village but it's a town, it's it's not huge. <laughs> it shows why they have such big names coming to play for them and, yeah, I, was, I feel very fortunate to have played in Chopron, especially with Ezzy as well. And you mentioned off-air as well one of your, you said you've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable in Europe and one of the mm -hmm. examples you gave off air was um, how your training facilities recently couldn't afford to have mm -hmm. the heating going. So yeah. tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so obviously everywhere in Europe and the world obviously was affected by the war and it was pretty close to home obviously being in Hungary but just the prices of gas and oil uh, and even food in Europe has really risen and the cost of living I know it's risen in Australia, but in Europe it has as well. So it just wasn't feasible to have the heating on for a lot of the, a lot of the days. So we only really had heating on for EuroLeague games. So it was cold. Most days we would have to wear long sleeve tops and they gave us like long sleeve tops for the season because it was just really too cold. So it definitely was an experience and I feel like I was sick literally the whole season and the whole winter. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it was – you were with your team, so I guess everyone was in the same boat, but for sure you did notice the cold this season. I did anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things I'm, I'm really curious about is the difference in competition mm -hmm. and, and the intensity of the competition between the WNBL and Europe, because we're seeing a lot of Australian players going over to Europe, particularly, you know, this season. Mm. So... What are they going to expect? Wow. Where do you start? <laughs> <laughs> Europe's tough. Europe is, uh, to be honest, it's a different world over there. Australia, we don't realise how lucky we are. In saying that, I'm not trying to deter players. Everyone go to Europe. It's an incredible, incredible experience. But you have to be really prepared to see anything and everything in Europe, and I 100% everything in my time in Europe. 
well, it feels like it, but you never know what type of players you're going to play with, what type of coaches, GMs. I've been in clubs with a lot of money trouble. So it's really a luck of the draw type thing. You just kind of never know what situation you're going to be in. But for sure, it's an incredible experience. And I think Australians should go over it if they can to go play in Europe because it really makes you grow up. It improves your basketball you just learn life lessons, you meet amazing people, you just really get cultured. And I think the difference between Australia and Europe, yes, Australia is an incredible league, but it's almost like it's just a lot more, I guess you could say, relaxed. Australians, we are very relaxed. Most times you're only really training once a day, whereas in Europe you're training twice a day. Obviously we have the other European leagues, so the Euro Cup and the Euro League. So most of the time you're traveling during the week, which it's great basketball, but it's it's quite taxing on your body mentally and physically. So I would say the Australian League's an incredible league and I think it's really reputable and really speaking volumes around the world. But I think the European League is just probably a lot more pressure, you could say, and I guess the physicality. And for me, I just thought it was a lot more structured. Australia can be a lot more free-flowing compared to the European Leagues. When you say structured and Mm free-flowing what do you mean you mean like in the way the like the teams operate or do you mean like in the style of play or Uh, i would say style of play i think european league is very system-based well the team i just played in was very very system-based and i know a lot of the teams are in europe a place like turkey okay they're a lot more free-flowing more like australia but I feel like from what I've watched in Australia the last couple of years, it's more kick the ball up, you can shoot it if you're open, attack the rim. Yes, there are plays, but it's more so not an individual game, I wouldn't say that, but the European league or leagues that I played in in Europe are more very structured, very team-based, and I would say just very system-based. Did you still have room in those situations within the systems to still play around with like read and react part of your game? Yeah, definitely. I think my time in Gdynia was probably a lot more in terms of my role in the team was I was able to dictate that and I was able to make more reads probably than the ability that I had in Chopron. But I think maybe our team in Gdynia was a lot more, you could say our coach was probably a bit more relaxed in the system rather than our team in Chopron. But for sure, you still could make reads and you still could not break plays. I wouldn't say it's about breaking plays, but read and react a little bit more. But I feel like in Australia, from what I've seen the last couple of years and watching the finals and everything, it is a lot more attacking the rim, breaking the offense rather than, you know, running A to B to C to D to E, like it kind of is in Europe. And how are you finding coming back from that, you know, Europe and the intensity and coming back into, you know, Nunna Wadding and the NBL one? That's got to be like a really big gear shift for you. Yeah, it is. It's definitely an adjustment and you definitely have to tell yourself, no, just remember they're not at the level that you're used to playing at, but that's okay. You know, I can still teach them things and I can give them little pointers and little tips that can help them improve their game because you only know what you know and they only know those leagues and that style of basketball and that training. So I guess when I come in, I try and bring that intensity and in a calm way I don't want to scare anyone or make any players feel uncomfortable because a lot of players this isn't their full time this is them just playing for a team coming in enjoying it with their friends and enjoying it with the club so you've really got to find that balance but I think for me I really I really enjoy coming a little bit back down to earth and not not relaxing I wouldn't say I relax but it's just looking at things at a different perspective and at looking at how they see the game and if I can pass on any bit of knowledge to help them see the game in a different way and for them to make little reads that might help them, then that's great because, you know, someone taught me that. So I guess it's my duty to pass that on to them as well. Yeah, as you mentioned, MBL1 can mean different things to different people. Mm-hmm. So as you you know, it's not everyone's full time. But having said that, while it is still your full time, even though you're in an environment where it's not necessarily others, um, do you still allow yourself a little bit now you're back home playing in an MBL1 competition just to uh, dial back the training a little bit and increase the more leisure time and social time now you're back home? 
Well, I thought that was my plan, uh, but I, obviously back with the Opals and training for the Asia Cup, I have been training a lot, <laughs> So, which I'm actually really enjoying. I've got a really good group of people around me uh, training me and helping working me out, and we've done a few Opals practice with the girls, the Melbourne-based girls. But, no, I definitely am still enjoying my time at home, and my older brother, he's got three kids, so enjoying the time with the kids and just connecting with people that, you know, I haven't really seen for, for the best part of nine to 10 months. And yeah, just a lot of my friends have kids now. So I've been really enjoying spending time with them and seeing their growth and seeing them grow up and seeing them as mums. So no, it's been really nice to be home and just to connect with one another and, and to kind of build my life back in Australia again, which is, it's nice. And before we roll into like more local stuff, I just wanted to ask to if you could, in layman's terms, explain how the European League works in a sense mm-hmm. of, because you mentioned European Cup and Euro League, but mm-hmm. like is there kind of conferences and then the winner of the conference goes to like a bigger league? How does it work? So basically there's Euro Cup and Euro League and Euro League's, I guess you could say the Champions League, like in soccer, so the top league. And the Euro Cup is kind of the one underneath that. So Basically, every league, so Hungary, Poland, Spain, France, Turkey, basically the first winner out of each of those leagues pretty much goes into Euro Cup if they can afford it and they want to go into it. And generally, there's one or two teams depending on the league. France has three teams because they're a really strong league. Poland has one team because they're maybe not as strong. Spain has three teams because they're a strong league. So every different league has different amounts of teams. So Turkey have two teams, but then some teams can play into EuroLeague. So it's called like a European qualifiers. So Darcy Garvin's team last year, they had done well and they could basically, because Chopron won EuroLeague, we were automatic. And we'd also won the Hungarian league last year. So then the next team, Sexard, got to go in. So then they had a spot for one more team. So that's why Darcy's team was able to play its way in. So if they make the EuroLeague, that's great. I think there's 16 teams, I think eight on each side of the pool. And then the next kind of lot of teams, which are the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth teams in most leagues, they then go into EuroCup. I think EuroCup has 34 teams, so there's a lot of teams. So they have, I think, six pools, and that can kind of range from anywhere in Europe. You could be in Turkey one week, Greece one week, Sweden one week, uh, Israel kind of thing. So EuroCup is a lot more broad, and the travel is probably a little bit worse than EuroLeague. But that's basically the terms of EuroCup and EuroLeague. Awesome. That makes a lot more sense. And especially when we, because like uh, Paul said earlier, more and more Australian athletes are going Mm -hmm. to play in Europe, whether that's in places like Spain uh, Mm -hmm. and Hungary and Poland, or there's even some players who've been playing in like Slovenia and Malta, um, Mm -hmm. a couple of Australian players. But I noticed, I think it was Taylor Simmons who played in Slovenia recently and she they put some on Instagram oh that they their team won one championship and then two weeks later they're winning another one and I was like how many is this the same championship and different photos or is there more uh, like so and it also explains why I said before that your season was quite long because I guess if you keep winning you keep playing yeah different stages So also with that, there is like an Eastern European League and then there's a Baltic League. So I think Taylor was in the Baltic League. Then there's an Eastern European League. And then in that, each country also has a cup. So we have Hungarian Cup, Polish Cup, French Cup, Spanish Cup, Turkish Cup. So that's why sometimes you're probably thinking, how many championships is this? Is this person playing in one in one season? But it makes sense because there are so many, like there's a cup, obviously, there's a championship. If a team makes it to the Euro Cup finals, back in the day they used to have, if a team was in Euro League and they didn't make the quarterfinals, they would drop down to then the Euro Cup. So then that would kick a lot of Euro Cup teams and that would kind of change the balance, but they've gotten rid of that rule now. It makes it more exciting too and lots more mm. different comp- varied competition. Yeah, and it just makes the season go a little bit quicker because I think once I was part of a team when I played in Lyon and we only had one game a week and, my gosh, nine trainings a week in France for one game, 
is tough <laughs> wow. and they are not easy training. So when you play in another league, it definitely breaks up the week and less training, more games is just exactly what you want as an athlete. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So you mentioned there's other Australians over there. Mm -hmm. When you guys do run into each other, what's it like? <laughs> oh, it's the best. It's honestly the best ever. So the years I played in there hasn't been a whole lot of Australians over in Europe when I've really played. I think myself, Beck Allen, Abby Bishop was over a few times, Tolo, obviously now Darcy, Ezzy. But for the most part that I've been over there, there actually wasn't a lot of Australians over in Europe. So even when you just saw one Australian, it was just the highlight of your week. When we had a national team break a couple of years ago, two years ago, Beck Allen and I met in Madrid and we went for a holiday, but just to play against an Aussie in the Euro League, like I played Darcy in Hungary in Euro League and in Hungarian League, and we also played Tolo in Euro League. So just to be able to see another Aussie, catch up with another Aussie is just, oh, it just really makes your heart so warm. And, you know, Australians are incredible people. And I was just felt really fortunate to be able to catch up with my friends, you know, all around the world as well. So you're coming back to Australia. I actually, I got to be honest. It was really surprising to see you at the John Kane game. You, it was like, oh yeah, that was yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, I was like, yeah. You know, we because you also had changed your hair color, so we were like, yeah, it's a bit blonder now. Yeah, yeah. We were kind of like looking go, what, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So our coach, we had a break for the national team and. You know, if you don't go home in that period, you don't go home literally for nine months. So, because oh, we didn't get Christmas break. So, Ezzy and I, we just, we had a really good game against Merson and we'd won the game and we were like, okay, let's just ask, let's just see. So, we both went to our coach and we just said, oh, do you think we could maybe go home in that February national team break? And we were just kind of waiting, waiting, waiting for him to say yes. And he's looking at his diary and we're like, please, 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 please. <laughs> and then he's, you know, he's looking at his diary and he's like, you'd only really be home for like four days or five days. And we were like, we know, we'll take it. We don't mind. <laughs> but honestly, it was just the best being able to go home. So, everyone when I got home was thinking, oh, have you lost your job? Why Why are you home? <laughs> I was like, no, no, I still have a job. I still have a team. I just, we got five days off and Ezzy and I were on that plane. <laughs> that's, I, I, that, that's surprising. Their first reaction is, what, have you lost your job? Not, yeah. hey, how are you? So, yeah. Timsy was like, oh, did you get fired? And I was like, oh, God, no, no, Timsy, I still have a job, I promise. <laughs> And coming from Europe and actually being at, at that game, what do you think mm. of the crowd? Oh, it was amazing. Oh, my gosh. It was awesome. I hope I get to play at John Kane Arena this season, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> yeah, no, it was incredible. And obviously Townsville's crowd's amazing. So, no, I'm really looking forward to the crowds. I mean, European crowds are amazing but also very crazy. The noises of drums in your ears and, like, horns is just sometimes a little bit too much. <laughs> But, no, it was an incredible crowd and, and an, an amazing spectacle for women's basketball. And I really hope we can continue to build that in Australia and continue to show Australians, you know, how good Australian women's basketball is and that, you know, AFL isn't the be-all and end-all. <laughs> yeah. Now, I like the, the fact that you mentioned that their crowds are crazy. Like, for Australians who haven't experienced the European crowds, like you talked about drums, how crazy do they get? Sometimes it's so loud you just can't even hear your teammates. Like it's just constant, constant, constant. It never stops. Wow. And especially, you know, in, you know, in smaller gyms like a place in Chopron where our gym was a lot smaller, it was really loud. And obviously in the bigger gyms like Merson, I remember, I think we had a packed out crowd of like, I don't know, 20,000 people or 15,000. Wow. What do you mean? No, 15,000 people maybe or 10. I don't know. Actually, that's probably the wrong wrong word. But the crowd was packed in the Merson Arena. You couldn't even hear like your teammates. You just couldn't hear anyone. Jeez. That would, mm. I mean, that would make it really interesting. Oh, yeah, it does. I mean, it, it definitely adds a great element to the game. And, you know, there's so many times where I just had to little, literally pinch myself playing in some of the arenas that I played in and some of the places that I played in and, but no, it was it was definitely a great experience, and for sure I will I will miss it. 
I definitely will miss it this season, but I hope that we can replicate that in Townsville and around Australia as well. Well, Townsville certainly, uh, you know, being a community-owned team, being a regional team, yeah, the games are always sold out. And you're going to be in a team that's the reigning champions. So I'm sure every home game is going to be sold out. I mean, they even gave the championship team a parade. So this the... Uh, the <laughs> yeah, I heard about that actually. Yeah. Cool. For Amazing. Like come home to a parade like you see a lot of the NBA players, you know, online having that kind of uh, luxury mm-hmm. of a parade. But given that Townsville as a club and as a team have so much support from the local community and they also do a great job of giving back to the local community mm-hmm. too, to be mm-hmm. fair, was that a strong selling point for you to decide to join Townsville for next WNBL season? Yeah, it definitely was. Look, there was a lot of teams that I was speaking to and had offers from and you know, I, I would have loved to have come home to Melbourne. Obviously, Melbourne is home, but it just felt like the right thing to go to Townsville. Uh, Shannon, I spoke with Shannon last season, but obviously stayed in Europe and and the opportunity came up to play for Shannon this season and I just kind of grabbed it with both arms because watching him coach over the last few years has just been absolutely incredible and watching what that team did this season. I remember Ezzy and I would wake up early and go to the coffee shop and watch the final series and they were just so impressive as a team and, you know, I've just seen the organisation grow from strength to strength and the way they treat their players, the way they are as an organisation, how professional they are. You know, they now play at the Entertainment Centre, which is, you know, incredible place for, you know, selling out packed out arenas for women's basketball. That's just even more amazing. And and absolutely, to give back to the community in basketball is a big thing for me now. And I've been really fortunate enough that over my journey that a lot of people have really helped me. And I think that's something that I really lacked in Europe, that I didn't have that purpose and that fulfilment of giving back and I think that was really a driving factor of me coming home that I miss that connection and that being able to give back and probably being able to add more to the world than just being a basketballer so that was a really big factor for me to come home and I'm really looking forward to growing basketball in the Townsville and the Australian community as well and and just keep giving back to the sport that's really given so much to me. So was it you that reached out to Shannon first or did Shannon reach out to you? Because it sounds like (laughs) you've got a pretty good understanding of how Shannon likes to run his team and the systems. Um, So, yeah, is that something, you know, was it his coaching style that also kind of Mm. sparked your interest first? So he reached out to me obviously last season and we had a really great chat and I just loved the way he spoke to me about my game and the respect that he had for my game and likewise the respect that I had for his coaching. And I um, was chatting to a few teams here and there in Australia and then I obviously congratulated Shannon about winning the championship and just, you know, how amazing it was and how great it was to see. And then kind of a few days passed and, you know, I heard back from him and, I just kind of said, yeah, look, I am re- looking to return to Australia. So, you know, if if you're free for a chat and kind of nothing came about straight away, which was totally fine. I'd spoken to a few other teams and was deciding my decision. And then, you know, Shannon reached out to me and said, yep, we want to chat. And within a couple of days, it was, yeah, it was pretty much um, a done deal for me. <laughs> awesome. Because they're yeah. like... Um, it's so cool. First of all, it's really cool that you and Ezzy were able to watch the finals, you know, would make yeah. the, watch the finals while you're still in um, Hungary. But the way that that team executed their half-court offense was, like, I don't think, I can't remember the last team I saw in the WNBL or even on any other kind of league that would execute a half-court offense with mm. that level of efficiency. And given that it sounds like that's similar playing style to what you're used to in Europe. I imagine that uh, hopefully your adjustment to Shannon's systems will, will be quite small. Yeah, and that was a really actually big thing as to why I wanted to play for Shannon. I like playing in a system. I like people knowing their roles. And obviously I like, you know, being able to put your flair into a system and, and your creativity and and seeing where the offense will take you. Absolutely. I love that as well. But I really, probably for me, I really love that he had a great defensive system as well. And that's something that really shone through when I watched the final series and even his timeouts, just the way he spoke and addressed the team about, you know, stay with the defense. You practice this all year. And that's kind of what our coach would do for us in Chopron. And we were a very big defensive team in Chopron and 
and it really showed against all the teams that we played that, you know, even if we won 44, they had 43. And even on days when you couldn't score, if you really stuck to your defensive plan, you were going to most likely you're going to win. So that was a huge thing for me that I really respected the way Shannon coaches his teams and the way the girls play for one another, the way the girls respected one another when they played for each other. Because I think a huge thing in teams is respecting everyone's ability and respecting what everyone's really good at and really just bringing out the best in everyone. And I think that's something that really drew me to Shannon was how well he could get the best out of all of his players defensively and offensively. So that was a big thing for me to come back to and kind of was a little bit of a no-brainer that, you know, he's part of the Opals. I'm fortunate to be, you know, back in the Opals program. So, you know, give everything I can and and keep learning, keep growing. And, you know, when I retire, I can say that, you know, I did everything and I tried everything and I gave everything. You've mentioned the Opals a couple of times through the discussion. And you've you've made the extended squad, and, and there were a lot of people who are really happy to see your name on the list. How has that part of things been going for you? You know, the opals practice. How are you feeling about it all? Yeah, I mean, I feel really good. Obviously, it was a tough couple of years for me not being a part of the opals, and after so long being with the opals, but. You know, I'm super proud of the girls. They achieved some incredible achievements over the years and, and the way Sandy and the coaches have coached the girls is just, it's been really great to see and it's great to see the Opals still on the map and pushing boundaries. I'm very fortunate to be back and I didn't think I'd ever be back, to be brutally honest. I didn't think I'd be saying these words that I'm back competing with the Opals or training with the Opals, but no, I feel really good about it. I think I'm at a stage in my life where, I've accepted my journey and and it's not about, I guess you could say, the accolades. It's about, you know, the person that you are and the work that you put in and I'll just continually focus on the work and and then you just see where things fall and see where things happen. So I'm really, you know, grateful and thankful to be back with the team and, you know, I just want to do what I can to play for the country and, and that's where you've just got to put in the work and see where the cards fall and, and see what happens after that. Yeah. Do you have any idea when when it's all going to get finalised? The, the the team for the I Asia think, Cup. I think Sandy said they'll pick a team, a squad of fourteen, maybe next week, and then from the fourteen they will go to the the camp next weekend, and then from there they'll they'll decide. You know, I think we've got a couple of days of training, and then they'll decide the team of twelve. And has Sandy given you any guidelines that she'd like you to work on before you head into? the next camp or what you has asked you to work on other stuff while you're preparing? No, not really. She just, obviously there's a few of us in Melbourne training. So just going through the plays and, you know, getting myself familiarized with the plays and, you know, the defensive and offensive principles. But she basically just said to me, you know, use your leadership and use your experience and bring that to the girls. And obviously it's quite a young group. So, you know, bring that knowledge and that that work ethic that I've gained in Europe and the European style of basketball and what I've learned over here and just use that knowledge and and enjoy it. And I think that's the main thing that she just said, to just enjoy the camp and see where, what you can teach the girls and, and bring that leadership and those leadership skills as well. You were talking a little bit earlier about the community side of things up at Townsville. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. when we first spoke to you a few years ago on the pod, you were talking about Life Changer. Mm-hmm. Now, you're still involved with Life Changer? Yeah, I am. Um, Scotty Waters, absolutely incredible human. Uh, it's a little bit hard to be involved with it when I'm in Europe, obviously, because there's a lot more commitments like face-to-face. But now that I'm back, I've reconnected with Scotty and I'd love to potentially get Life Changer up in Townsville and see if we can bring Life Changer into that community. So that's been a big thing for me that, you know, I think the importance of mental health and kids kids' mental health, even adults' mental health as well. You know, I don't think anyone's exempt to uh, mental health things. It just, it can happen to anyone at any time in their life and you never know when it's going to happen. I've definitely experienced that over my journey and something that I'm really passionate about, about helping others. And so I'd love to really get that into the Townsville community and help in any way that I can. And I'm sure that, look, there are people who probably aren't really across what life changer is so just for all of those people can you just give us a quick rundown on what life changer is about and what it's trying to achieve 
So basically, Scott Waters, he used to play AFL, incredible, incredible human. He started this foundation. He's got three young boys, maybe four young boys, four young boys, and he just kind of saw the effects of, you know, growing up with this social media world, depression, suicide risks, and I think it really just hit him in the face and he didn't want his kids or other kids to be another statistic. So he started the Life Changer Foundation and basically what they do is they go into schools, they go into communities, you know, workforces as well. They do a lot of things with ANZ, with Repco, so Cotton On. Uh, they do a lot of work with those organisations as well. And it's basically just about educating young, I guess you could say adults, young adults and obviously, you know, older adults about, you know, the belief in themselves, how they get through challenging times, how they overcome obstacles. And when obstacles hit, what do they do? Who do they turn to? They've got a really good mentor program. And I know that's, that's something that I've been really involved in. And I've really, really loved doing that mentoring young people in terms of, you know, sometimes when I guess you could say mental health issues arise, you don't know who to turn to. I remember when it kind of happened to me, honestly didn't know who to turn to. I thought my heart was going to beat out of my chest and I didn't know what what was happening. I thought I was like maybe having a heart attack at one stage. But I think having someone that they can turn to and and get out into the community and realise that they're not alone and, and that there's people that they can talk to and they can really turn their life around is really important. And just they're just trying to really reduce the risk of suicide, depression, anxiety, all those statistics so there aren't more statistics in the wrong way. It sounds like you've been involved with Life Changer for a while and like you said, as a role as a mentor, have you ever mentored someone, you know, years ago when you first started? Have they circled back around and done a bit of a where are they now? Like have you had any follow-up of some of the people you've mentored years ago to see how well they're doing now? Yeah, definitely. I've, you know, been super fortunate to mentor some people that have reached out to me and said, you know, you've really just helped change my life or you know, the chat that you had with me really helped me or you don't realise that the impact that you had on me, that you were just able to talk to me as an athlete and give me your time has really just helped me and, and improved my quality of life. So when you hear things like that, that's really what it's all about, you know, that someone that you gave your time to, because at the end of the day, it's it's really nothing to help someone who needs that help and you can make a difference in their life that's really what life is about in forming connection, forming community, helping others, having purpose and passion. And I think that's something that over the years that I've really realized is a passion of mine. And, and I think that is something that I love to do and love to help young people. And, and if you just can impact one person's life, then you've made a change and you can help one person get out of a dark place, then you've really had an impact. And, I think that's really special and I've been really fortunate, really grateful that I've been able to be a part of such an incredible organisation like Life Changer. I'm sure when you get up to Townsville that, you know, based off conversations we've had with Sam and Shannon, that I'm sure the, the team will support you in being able to get things started up there if, if that's what you, you know, if you want to do that. As an organisation, they seem to be very, very heavily involved with the local community and, yeah. and encouraging the, the players to get involved with the local community as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, in communities like Townsville or Darwin or remote communities, they never had the opportunities that we had in the bigger cities and that's not their fault. I was just super fortunate enough that I grew up in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne and I was never exposed to drugs or alcohol or, you know, poverty that some of the people in those communities are exposed to. And I think that's, you know, obviously you've got to really help your own situation, but some of these people, they don't know how to help their situation and they can sometimes get into the wrong crowd or they don't have the family support that I was super fortunate enough to have. and that's not their fault. So I think if we can help the people in those communities and we can inspire them to make a better life choice and to make a change in their life, then, you know, that also has a ripple and a flow on effect for the community as a whole. It sounds like you'll certainly fit in very well with their culture and as well, because it was really nice to hear you say as well, how you could kind of get a strong sense of how much that team, that Townsville team respected each other and how strong mm. their culture was on and off the court, which, I mean, as you know, as a 
very experienced player you are, building team culture can be one of the hardest things and getting people to buy into the systems and what the coaches are requiring of the team can be really hard to maintain as well. So, yeah, it sounds like you're going to be a great fit up there on and off the court. And it sounds like you will be able to take that experience on and off the court as well, it sounds like, into Opal's camp if Sandy's asked you to be, you know, a bit of a leader and a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if you had someone like, say, Shyla Hill, still very young, very emerging talent, we can probably confidently say, you know, it's not officially announced that she's going to Europe next season because <laughs> you watch your Instagram stories. I've heard that. it's official. <laughs> I know she's oh. going. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know what club or anything like that yet, but she's already got a GoPro ready. What what advice could you give to her based on your playing experience and your experience with Life Changer of how she can prep for something as big as Europe? I think I know the club she's going to, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say it, though. No, don't say it. (laughs) I'm not going to say it. They they actually reached out to me, but I'm not going to say it. Look, going with an open mind, I think as Australians going over there, there's so many stories that, you know, I could tell you a hundred stories that have happened to me in Europe and you'd think, why would anyone go to Europe? But no, absolutely. Go to Europe, go in with an open mind, go to learn go to immerse yourself in the culture, hang out with your European teammates, learn some of the language, be prepared for a lot of high days, but be prepared for a lot of low days. You know, there are days where you kind of sit in your apartment and think, why am I so many miles away from home, missing out on all these experiences? But then you've got to realise just how fortunate and lucky you are when you're playing in the EuroLeague, you're playing in the Euro Cup, you're playing in these incredible leagues. So, For someone like Shyla, I think she's going to do absolutely fine. I think she's going to have an incredible time over there and she's really going to have a great season over there in that league. And, you know, I'm really excited for Shyla. I think she's such a talented individual and I think she's just such a good girl. You know, she, she's really a beautiful girl and I really always got along with her really well. And I think that sometimes you have to break, not break free from Australia, but for me, I know I had to leave Australia to probably find myself as a player and for me, I was able to find myself as a player and I was able to gain respect in the European League and in the Australian League. And and sometimes it's about forging your own journey and forging your own path. And I hope she's able to forge her journey over there and, and create a really strong path for herself and owning your journey. And I think that's really exciting that she's taken the chance to go over there because it's not easy. Like I said, it's not for everyone. And yeah, I just think that you've really just got to go in really super open-minded and just bring yourself to the team. You know, I think be yourself and enjoy it. Enjoy every moment of it. Now, you were part of the 3 by 3 team many years ago. Mm-hmm. We medaled at the World Cup just recently. Mm-hmm. Seeing that journey from when you were playing to, to now, mm-hmm. how do you see the impact of 3 by 3 on the game here and also the players and and what they bring from that style of game to the the five-man game. Yeah, 3x3 has been an incredible journey and I'm super grateful to be a part of the program. And, you know, Tess and I were actually talking because someone mentioned yesterday that, oh, the girls won the first medal at 3x3 at the World Cup. And Tess was like, actually, we won the first medal. (laughs) (laughs) So in 2012, Tess, Katie, Abzuri, myself and Sarah Blitzarves, we won the first bronze medal at the 3x3 World Cup in Greece. Um, And then obviously in 2019 when we did it, we got fourth. So for them to get the bronze this year, it's just been an incredible journey. 3x3, such a, it's a physical game. Don't get me wrong. It's physical and super taxing on your body, but it's just such a fun game. And I think that 3x3 is really being recognized around the world, internationally, in America, in Europe. You know, players have really improved playing the 3x3 game and and I actually have full credit to the 3x3 program that I was able to play those years that it's really helped my game and, you know, you look at players like Anneli, Marina, Ali Wilson, those three, their games have really just out of sight improved. So, you know, full credit to the 3x3 in the program and, and especially Dave Biwa who's really put 3x3 on the map in Australia and his investment of time and energy Uh, a lot of it probably unpaid to the program has really just been exceptional. And I really hope it continues to grow. I really hope that Australia will keep investing in the 3x3 program and, you know, you'll really see the benefits and reap the rewards of it in the future. 
it's been a um, it's been a big journey for three x three because mm. you know even in the early the very early days, people would sort of look at the game a little bit sideways and was like, oh, you know. Oh yeah, it was definitely looked down upon. <laughs> like, kind of, you were seen as like, oh, you play three x three. Oh yeah, poor thing, mustn't have made the ovals or like you know, just a bit like. <laughs> You know, well, it was a little bit. Yeah. And, I mean, for me, it was the best thing because I'd been cut from the Opals after being in the squad for, you know, seven, nearly seven years. And then I had no Australian team to fall back on. And for me, that was really hard. So to be able to represent Australia at the 3x3 and be taken into that program was just a saving grace for me. And it really improved my basketball. It put me back on the map in basketball and probably honestly turned my basketball career around. Because at what time of your career, like what was the timing from you starting your journey with the Australian 3x3 team in relation to your time of like playing in Europe? Were they at the same time or were they, did they intersect or yeah, how did it work out? So I played obviously that 2012 one random tournament and then I Mm. was with the Opals basically from 2013 and then in 2018 I wasn't doing any 3x3 because I was part of the Opals and I'd done Commonwealth Games that year and then I was the last cup for the Worlds and then I was playing in Europe the 2018-19 season when the Opals squad got announced and unfortunately I wasn't named in it so I was pretty, I guess you could say, heartbroken and really a bit lost. Uh, I didn't really understand it and it was really hard for me. So I came back to Australia and it was a tough season in Europe. It was one of those seasons where we didn't get paid. We had a super crazy coach. We had like 50 people leave our whole team. Like one of those seasons that you just can't even believe happened. And so after that season, I'd come back to Australia and my best friend, Beck Cole, had been playing with the 3x3 and they had the 3x3 hustles. So I just put my name up to being one. And then from then on, I got picked in the team to make the World Cup qualifiers. And then from there, we made the World Cup. We made, you know, Asia Cup. We won that type of stuff. So it was around that time. And then I stayed in Sydney from the 2019-20 year. I played in Sydney and we did a lot of 3x3 stuff that year. We went to, we did like a few World Series then. And then obviously it was the COVID year, but from then I went to Europe. So the 2020 season when I played in Europe, I did the Olympic qualifier. And from then, yeah, that was like the last thing that I really did with the 3x3. It sounds like it provided a good uh, landing pad, I guess, after the I imagine immense disappointment of missing out on that Opals World Cup team. And it's interesting where you described how you kind of met with the attitude of like, oh, if you're playing 3x3, does that mean you're not good enough for the Opals? But I remember when that hustle, 3x3 hustle was introduced Mm. and there was the tournament in Melbourne and Mm. there was like, very well publicised. You had the reversible orange and black. Yeah, orange and black, yeah. I remember it and I... Oh, it made such an impact on me because I was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. What is what is it? Where did this come from? What does it mean? I think it actually filled me with a lot of excitement. And I didn't realise after that point that 3X3 was going to take off into like the next big thing in basketball because it can provide such a great alternative for other people and it can also um, provide different opportunities at different times for players. And then I think it can kind of keep people in the mix of that mm-hmm. Australian yeah. squad and keep their name in, you know, people's mouths if they're even not directly in an Opal squad. But I thought it was really exciting when it first launched. Like I remember it. Yeah, I mean, like it's an incredible, like it's, it improves your game out of sight. You miss a shot, you have to play defense within not even one second. You have to switch your mind off. You know, it really it really forces you to mature as a player and it is such a physical game, so it automatically makes you improve. You have to be able to defend the big person to the littlest person on the court and it definitely has. It's given a lot of people, including me, some really great opportunities and, you know, I missed out on that World Cup for the Opals but then I was able to go to a World Cup for 3x3. And I know it's not seen as the same regard, but, you know, any chance to represent your country is the most incredible honour. So for me to represent my country in any way, shape or form, it really, it was really special for me and I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change my journey. And, and obviously there were a lot of disappointments along the way, but 
I hope that athletes can see that not everyone is going to be an opal. Not everyone's going to go to Olympics or a World Cup. That's just the reality of life and sport. But there are other avenues. There are other ways to improve your game. There are other ways to represent Australia. And, and if you just keep working on your game and, and keep improving, then, you know, you never know where it'll take you. One of the questions that I'd like to ask is, with everything that's gone on throughout your entire career, mm-hmm. what do you see is your kind of future in basketball? Yeah, look, I, I don't know how many more years I want to play. Um, I still feel like I'm in really good shape and I'm playing really good basketball. But, you know, I do also one day want to have kids and and create a life outside of that. But for me, I do have two degrees. I've got a commerce degree and a master's of economics and international business. And I think that coming back to Australia, I've really, and this is something I've spoken about with Townsville, um, in Townsville, I'm going to probably work a couple of days a week just to get experience and and kind of get my foot in the door. And when I played in Sydney, I actually worked full time. But I would love to potentially, you know, work with Townsville and work with if a company uh, that I could work with in kind of educating athletes on what's outside of basketball and, you know, maybe setting up an education and training program for athletes to do because not everyone knows what they want to do. Not everyone likes university. Not everyone's going to college. Not everyone wants to be a coach. So a lot of girls that, you know, I ask along the way, I'm like, what are you guys going to do outside of this? And, you know, a lot of players, they don't even know. And I think that's a little bit scary because, you know, basketball can unfortunately be taken away from us at any time. And, and it's a privilege to play and we're super grateful to play, but we also have to have things to fall back on. And I think for me, having university and having work was the best thing for me. It really allowed me to play my best basketball because I had that balance and I had that perspective in life. So I think I'd love to do something, you know, in the education and training with athletes and helping athletes. Cause I know you look at the AFL, they're, they're educating their athletes. They're giving them programs for when they finish AFL, they're helping their athletes. And I think that's something in basketball that we can really do better at. And I also really, you know, I did an individual with a young girl today and I think it really gave me a lot of life and a lot of passion just to give back to someone because you know someone did that for me and someone gave up their time for me to help me improve my game and get me to where I am so I'd really love to help to do that for the younger generation as well. It sounds like it kind of reminds me of a previous episode we did with Sammy W who is you know sporting agent Sammy W when he was talking about that part of their service that they provide with their agency Mm. that more holistic sense Mm -hmm. of covering the person and not just the athlete, not just contracts and teams and, you know, shoe deals and whatever. It's also looking after the person too. And yeah. I think you're right because the roles that I've heard around what you were describing, I've only heard through AFL. So it sounds like, you know, put your good economics and commerce degree to use and it sounds like you could have a little bit of a business model here, got to fill, Alice, in the basketball space. Yep. Yeah, I just think it's about it's about educating athletes and I think – You know, I even thought for me, I remember last year when I wasn't probably in my best basketball headspace, I kind of thought, okay, what does it look like if I just retire? What what happens? You know, I played some really great years in Europe, but then I thought, oh my God, I have no experience. Okay. Yeah. I've always kind of worked in Australia and, you know, I worked a property investment company in finance, but I'm really starting from the bottom. I'm at the bottom, you know, like, okay, I've got two degrees, but I've got really no experience and I'm going to be going up against people that have 10 years of experience at the same age. And I think for me, it was a little bit, once I calmed myself down, I knew like, okay, whatever you decide, you're going to be okay. But then I started thinking, oh my gosh, what about these other athletes? Like, you know, cause not everyone wants to be a coach and life in Australia is expensive. It's, it's not cheap, you know, like it's a hard, it's hard. You know, I see people trying to raise kids and, and really struggling to, you know, especially with interest rates right now, but I probably am getting off a totally different tangent right now. But, you know, I think it's it's all the things that we probably don't think about because we're in this little basketball bubble and we're probably protected by it a little bit. And I don't think that really people realise just how fortunate we are that we can play basketball and get paid to play basketball. But, you know, what does life look like after basketball? How are you going to make that impact? How are you going to put food on the table? You know, and I think... If we can add more education and training to athletes 
in a holistic view. It doesn't, not everyone's going to work for a PwC or a Deloitte or a doctor or, or a, a nurse, you know, everyone has their different journey and everyone has so many different interests, but I think it's about really getting that education. You know, I, I remember speaking with Ezzy, you know, and she said something about, oh, I've got like a, an, ac- an accountant meeting or something. And I remember thinking, gosh, at my age, I wish they informed us, like what you do about your tax, what you do about your super, how you invest, how you look after your money, how do you make your money go further? I know it's not probably basketball's role to do that, but I just don't think there was the education and training back in the day. We just didn't have it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I think it's something that that basketball should do, right? Particularly, mm. particularly given that, you know, it is – one of the smaller sports when you compare it, you know, with your AFLs and your NRLs and so on. And, you know, players have a short playing career and they also have to, they're not getting paid, you know, monstrous amounts of money. So mm-hmm. you, exactly. you need to be able to have something in that in that area to be able to help the players make that transition. And, yeah, I kind of mm-hmm. think it's something that, that the sport should look at, at trying to provide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just think it's not spoken about enough as a whole. And I think that basketball is such a loved sport in Australia, and I think so many people love basketball. So many kids play basketball. And I think that the WNBL and maybe the NBL, I don't know how the NBL do it, but I think they just could really do a lot better job in terms of the training. And I know the Players Association are really trying to help with that, but I think it's something that, we need to be talking about more because we're not earning half a million dollars, $1 million that these mm-hmm. AFL people are earning. And even in in Europe, we're not earning that amount of money. Like none of us are earning half a million in Europe. <laughs> That's just the reality of it. And our sporting lives really are short. And for a lot of people to not even think about what they're going to do or, oh, yeah, I'll just work it out once I finish basketball. Like, no, that's that's too late. And you can also make such a big impact while you are playing. So, okay, now I'm going to throw you a completely unscripted question. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What would be, if you had your choice, your perfect job? My perfect job? Your perfect um, job, yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, playing basketball every day is a pretty cool life. Like, you've got to admit, and we're very fortunate to play basketball, and it is pretty cool. You can... You know, it's tough, but it's a pretty cool job. But for me, I think I'd love either work in a company or have my own strategy and consulting business to go into a company and look at their people and culture side because I've done both sides of that degree. I've done, I majored in HR and international business and also the economic side. So I'd love to just go into a business and say, okay, hey, look at your people and culture side. How do we improve your workers? How do we improve the talent? How do we get the best out of them so we get the best out of your organization in an economic side as well? And I just truly believe that everyone deserves to be in the best possible environment for them to succeed and thrive and be happy as a person you know I just think it's really sad you hear people saying they come home from work and they hate their job you know life is short you don't you don't get the time back so why would you go to a job where you're really unhappy and I've definitely seen some really poor run organizations where a lot of athletes and people are really unhappy and it just really makes me sad and I just think that everyone deserves that right to be really happy in their life and that their job is the best part of their day and that they feel fulfilled and they've got purpose when they come home from work. And so, yeah, I'd really love to be able to look at the people and culture side and see how do we make that work. But then also I love looking at the economic side as well. And how do we make a dollar go further? How do we best structure the business to get the best out of the business as well? Cool. I have one unscripted question. Okay, let's (laughs) hear it. Now that you're back home mm-hmm. and, you know, perhaps more of an, op- I mean, Opal's uh, schedule aside, but perhaps more of an opportunity to have a day off, mm-hmm. how do you like to spend your day off in Melbourne? <laughs> God, I haven't had many days off since I've been home. <laughs> That's shameful. <laughs> um, you know what my best day off is? Honestly, just spending it with my nephews and my niece and obviously my friends. Like I love seeing my friends and family and 
my friends and family mean so much to me and I'm just super grateful to have amazing people in my life. But, oh, my God, my niece and nephews are just the cutest things and they just really give me life. And my brother's got a cute little eight-month-old. Her name is Bonnie. So I just love spending time with them. (laughs) And, of course, a coffee day in Melbourne. Like everyone loves Melbourne coffee. You know, you just can never get coffee like that anywhere else in the world. So coffee, hanging with my niece and my nephews, and then maybe go to dinner with my friends. What a great day. Yeah. Sounds lovely. Yeah. Okay, Alice, it's been great having you back on the show. Oh, thank you. Fantastic to have you back in Australia as well. Thank you. And we're really looking forward to seeing you, you know, playing for Townsville in the upcoming WNBL season. Personally, can't wait to see you when, you know, the team comes down to Sydney as well. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really, I'm really grateful to be on the podcast and thank you for all your support over the years. It really does mean a lot. You know, when things may not have been going my way to have people in your corner and supporting you. It really, you probably don't think it, but it really means a lot when, when you're on the other side of the world and sometimes you can't see why things are happening. So thank you so much for all your support and, and I'm really grateful to be back in Australia and I'm looking forward to see what that can do and what we can do as a team. Fantastic. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.